Good evening again. Terrell assigned a message title to me, and I suspect it was easier to ask the questions than it was for me to come up with the answers. So I trust that this can be a beneficial time for us. God's will, not my will. And the, the, the questions or the, the issues behind the title. What if the name I gave isn't in the lot? Or if it's in the lot, it's not chosen. What if I am chosen? What if I'm in the lot and not chosen? I really feel a a need for assistance this evening, I guess. So I'm just going to ask, let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our minds. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be here this evening, that you would speak to each one of us, minister. I pray, Lord, that you would minister here this evening for our good and for your glory. Help us, we pray. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I also feel like maybe I need to make a little bit of a disclaimer. And I'll give you a little bit of background just to to give you a for instance. Uh, When my wife and I uh, we were expecting twins uh, back it had been August will be 13 years now I guess and we had stillborn twins they were 32 weeks along we went to the hospital we knew there were problems but we went expecting live babies that would be young but able to make it they were early but they should be able to make it we came home with nothing we lost both babies um That was, that was very difficult, obviously. But the thing that we, we had a funeral, we had a regular, we didn't have a visitation and a funeral. It was more, more of a, a combination, I guess. Um, but the thing that really struck us was the difference in how people would relate to us as they came through the line. And I've told this before, but I'll... I'll say it again here there are three three in particular that we remember there was one couple who came through who had never had never experienced anything like that and he had all kinds of cliches and things and advice on how to you know, God sees the other side. We see the, we see the ugly side of the quilt that God's making. Sometime we'll, someday we'll see the other side. Time heals all wounds, et cetera, et cetera. And he was trying. He was sincere, but it meant nothing. Another couple came through that we did not know. Someone in our church knew them, 
and had gotten in contact with them, and they came through about our age, and just very recently had lost a baby. And I don't remember a word they said, but I remember they were there. And for some of you who know, I we I'm a, I like to hunt. I'm an outdoorsman. Um, there's a number of guys in our area that hunt coyotes together. And we're standing there and an old, older gentleman came in the back door and it was, it was a long line. We had a lot of people show up to support us. I leaned over to Gina and I said, that's Don Brooks, somebody that hunts coyotes with us. I would talk to this man two or three times a winter maybe. I'd see him I'd see him about that often, rarely talk to him. He'd be along and I'd be along, but we didn't really, we barely knew each other. And I couldn't believe he came. And (laughs) when he got to us, of course I knew him, I knew his name, and I shook his hand and I said, thanks for coming, Don. I said, I'm surprised you're here. What made you come? He said, 35 years ago. This was me, and I wanted to be here. So, I feel like I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer this evening. I have been ordained to the ministry, and I've been ordained from the ministry to being a bishop. I've not gone through the lot. I don't know what it's like, and I want to be up front with that. So if I say anything that doesn't feel right, doesn't sit right, it's because I don't know what it's like. I'm going to try. What do you think of when you think God's will, not my will? What, what scenario, what verse, what, what scene comes to your mind? Maybe if I say it this, will, this way, not my will, but thine be done. In Luke 22, verse 40 through 40, uh, 42, it talks about Jesus going out into the garden. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I've been impressed as I've looked at some of these issues and how it keeps coming back in my mind. And again, I feel like this is, this is God speaking to us, speaking to me. I don't think I've ever noticed or thought about it that now I want to hear me out. I want to be careful here. But Christ, the man, had a will. And his will would have been different than God's. Your will, not my will. There's a contrast there. His will was that he could, he said, Father, if it's possible, if there's any way I can avoid this, my will would be to skip the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
In Acts 13, when, when uh, Stephen is recounting the, the, the history of the children of Israel, he says, And afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David had a will that was surrendered to God, and I believe that's the key here. David loved the law. David took the time to learn God's heart and, and willfully take his will and his desire and his, his view of what life should be and take that and conform that to God's will for his life. So as I'm seeing this, my, my conclusion is it's not that we don't have a will. We all have our druthers. I'd druther do this. I'd, we all have those things that we see as ideal. It's not that we don't have a will. It's that our will is surrendered to his will. We pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I don't think there's anything wrong in, in having longings and desires and hopes and all of that. But, but in all of that, having, having all of that surrendered to Christ. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Have you ever thought of yourself as a counselor? Someone who gives advice. I sat here with the other ministers last night in this room and watched all of you give counsel. This is my counsel on who should be ordained. Who should be chosen. And here, just like Thursday evening, I want to help us see something. On Thursday evening, we saw that no man here is or could ever be the man that we needed. You're not called, none of us is called to be all things to all people. We're called to be willing to follow Christ and his call on our life. There wasn't a man, so God provided one. So here I'd like to say this. Your calling, and I'm speaking now to the general assembly here in giving the name. What if my name isn't, the, the name I gave, is, well, well, Terrell read the list, the name I gave it isn't even in that list. Or maybe the name you gave is in that list and we go through the ordination tomorrow and that person is not chosen. And you think, did I not hear God? What, what, why, why was I not able to, to get this right? What did I miss? Your calling and responsibility in a time such as this isn't to hear God perfectly every time. Your calling is 
to truly seek God and His will. Make your best effort and leave the results to Him. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We also know that God has his ways. God's ways are not our ways. In Psalm 103, 11, he says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. His, his ways are higher than us. His mind is, is, um, is higher than, than our mind. His ways of thinking are just simply beyond our, 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 our grasp. Some things we don't know, we don't understand. One of the first, or the, the first selection that we see in the New Testament after Judas betrayed Christ and went and, and hanged himself, the disciples get together and say, hey, we, we, need, they're supposed to be, we, we need someone to replace Judas. So they looked out, and again, I, it doesn't give us the process there. It says that they, they chose from among them that had followed them all these days, and they picked Matthias, and who else? Can anybody tell me who else? His name was Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice. We just know Matthias. There are 12. It, it, when the, in Revelation and different places, it talks about the, the 12 foundations, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. Evidently, he's one of them. Does that mean that Joseph was rejected? I don't think so. I think God had a calling for Joseph. I think God had a calling for Matthias. Do we think there were only seven people? It says when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the church. And after that, it says the Lord added daily. There were, there's numbers there. It's just mind-boggling how many people were coming into the church. Do we think there were only seven people in a church of however many thousand that were qualified to be deacon? I don't think so. I think there were many. Do you think there was more of a process involved in choosing those seven than the details we have? I do. I don't know. I, I doubt it looked exactly like how we do it, but there was something. There was a process. I don't know what means, what look ye out among you. I don't know exactly what that means. But there was a process of somehow, some kind where they narrowed it down to seven individuals. I'm sure there were some tough choices. I'm also sure there were many in that group who worked without an official call or an official title that said, you are now a deacon. There were many, many, many people helping these seven. And they were all important. Let's suppose there was a man who was somehow under consideration along with Stephen. And Stephen was chosen and he was not. 
a few weeks or months, we don't, I don't know how long it was, later, Stephen is confronted by the officials and gives his testimony and becomes a martyr. And again, I'm, I'm, we don't know these details, but just suppose the man says, wow, I had no idea God was just asking me to wait until he called Stephen home. Do you believe? Do you believe God? Do you believe God and His Word? Do you believe the Bible? Have you ever come to a point where you're kind of brought up short and realize, you know what? I'm not believing God right now. Can we say truly, truly, that we believe the Scriptures to be true? They are the very Word of God. And that I trust God, and if he has said anything concerning the New Testament Christian, I believe it to be true in my life. I'll give you some, just some, for instance. My God will supply all your needs. Do you believe that? Do I believe that when I'm heavy and when I'm stressed and when I'm tired and when all of these things and I feel like I can't go on, when it says there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man? Do I believe that others have it just as hard as I do? That I'm not weird or weak or different because I am tempted? And then the one that I'm getting to, one that I know for sure many of us don't believe, or at least we don't take to heart. I'm sorry, this is still not the one I'm getting to. I'm getting ahead of myself. But this is one that I know we don't take to heart often enough. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Do you believe that? Every word. I'll give account for every word. Those are some examples. Now here's the one I'm getting to. This was brought to me lately in a message I heard. It's what I want to focus on here. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good according to His purpose. The two verses leading up to that say, Verses 26 and 27 say, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Again, no perfection expected. The Spirit helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. Can you imagine? You're facing something big. You're whatever it is. Each one of you has things in your life that are different than what I've faced. But I suppose, I'm sure most, probably all of us have had a time, have had times where we go to the Lord and we don't know how to pray. We're a mess and we know it. And in that time, can we believe, can we truly believe that we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We have an advocate. We have an intercessor. We have someone who goes to the Father on our behalf and, and knows our pain. He's been there. He hung on the cross and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He knows the depths of loneliness. He knows the depths of being forsaken. He knows the depths of, of disappointment. And he intercedes for us. And maketh intercession for the saints according... Oh, I'm sorry, verse 27. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit... Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So I'll ask again. Do we truly believe that everything, everything, everything God does in my life is for my good? And it's for His glory. And am I willing to allow it to be all for His glory? In Galatians, Paul says that he is, he's in labor till Christ be formed in you. Till Christ be formed in you. Christ is our Standard. It's no longer the law, it's Christ. And we strive to be conformed to His image, to His will. Is that my prayer? God, do whatever it takes till Christ be formed in me. Second Peter 3.18, he tells us, But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, And here again, to Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. I heard John D. Martin say, oh, I don't know, six weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was, message I was listening to, wisdom is doing what you would do if you knew everything there is to know. Every one of us operates out of the, the amount of wisdom, we, or of, of understanding, or whatever it is that we might have. 
Someone, someone my age walks up to a wood stove. I've been burned by a wood stove before. Even if it's July, I'm a little careful. But if there's a fire, I know not to lay my hand flat on the wood stove. An 18-month-old that's just learning how to walk will walk up to it and both hands right on it just to lean on it. He doesn't have the knowledge, the understanding that I would have in that situation. All of us are going to have different levels of understanding in different areas. All of us, we, we are accountable for the knowledge we have. And so... Wisdom is doing what you would do if you knew everything there is to know. That's the, that's the perspective that God works from. When God is working in my life, when God is working in your life to conform us to, his, to the image of His Son, He knows everything. He's not missing some details. We are observing from this side When we lost the twins, again, that was just earth-shattering for us. It wasn't until a while later that Ryan came along. Ryan and Melanie are extremely loved probably really really glad I'm talking about him right now. Ryan one time was contemplating one of the a picture of the twins and he says it's too bad the twins didn't make it. And I said, "Well, do you realize that if the twins had made it, you probably wouldn't be here?" Ooh, that would be weird. I don't know what plans God has for Ryan and Melanie. And maybe you've all heard the, the saying or the... Uh, I think I've heard Dwayne Mullet say this about the, the whole incident, incident with their son Austin dying young and so on. I think I've heard him say this. I know I've heard it different places. But you look back on experiences. And you wouldn't go through it again for a million dollars. But you wouldn't trade it for the world. Those things shape you. Those things change who you are. So while my wife and I, and I don't want to make this about us tonight, but while we were just grieving, and it made no sense, God, from his perspective of having all knowledge and all wisdom, was saying, I realize it hurts, but this is what you need. Wisdom is doing what you'd do if you knew everything there is to know. None of us know everything there is to know. 
There is only one who can claim that. Even Christ, and again, I, I want to be careful. I am not in any way diminishing Christ or who he was as the Son of God. But I noticed earlier that his will his, as a man would have been contrary to God's will. And he, he submitted to that, to God's will, perfectly. But here's another one. Even Christ, while on this earth, did not have all the information that God the Father had. He and the Father were one. And yet, while on earth, as a man, he said in Mark 13, 32, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. And I don't know why. I don't know if, if that was a secret that God could not risk having. Um, I don't know why the son wasn't told that. But he was not given that information. Christ was given the information he needed to do the task the Father had for him. I believe we are given as much information as we need to do the task that's in front of us. Christ relied on his Father's will being best. In John 5.30, he says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will. Here again, I don't seek my will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So if only God is all-knowing, and wisdom is doing what you do if you knew everything there is to know, how do I become wise? By going to the source. The source. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I think it's important to realize that he says, If you lack wisdom, ask, and it shall be given if a man came to you asking for a meal and he's dressed like a, he looks like a homeless man, he's, he's skinny, his clothes are in rags, he's a, he appears that he's very hungry, I think we'd all have compassion on that individual and share, share our food with him. He's hungry, he needs food. What if a man comes up to you in a new sports car, he's got three or four bags of groceries in the back of the, in the back seat and says, hey, could I have some of your food? He sees you're eating a hamburger. Hey, could I have your hamburger? You've got plenty. Yeah, I know. I just want what you have. We're not going to have compassion on that man. Do I come to God with that attitude? I'm already one of the wiser men I know. But I'm still human, so obviously I don't know everything. If you want to give me some extra wisdom here, that'd be great. I can always use more, and I like looking smart to those around me. If any lack, let him ask. Father, I need wisdom. I know that in myself is no good thing. So I've got a question here. 
I've got the, the heading that the question I have is, are you willing to, and then I've got some questions. This is going to fit different ones of us differently. Are you willing to go through the lot for my good? Or am, am I, so you'd be asking, are, am, am I willing to, I'll say it this way, are you willing to go through the lot for your good and for God's glory? For some of you, this means go through the lot again. For some of you, it's the first time. And again, I don't know what that's like. But can you believe God? Will you trust it's for your good, for his glory? And here's where I want to be really careful because I can sound an awful lot like the man that has no idea what it's like to be in the shoes I was in and telling me all these things about how to deal with grieving. Some things I was thinking of, and and again, take this or leave it. Maybe God's calling you to a deeper walk. His way of, of drawing you closer to Him. Maybe preparing you for something else. David was anointed by Samuel while Saul was still king. And from what I could find, and I didn't do a lot of research on this, I don't know how good my sources were, but 15 to 20 years between the time that he was anointed to the time that he actually assumed the throne. Are you willing to not be in the lot. For your good. And for God's glory. Maybe you thought sure you would be in the lot this time. I want to assure you that you do not need to fear that you are missing God's call on your life because you are not in the lot tomorrow. If there is no area in your life that you are not telling God no, then you are in the will of God. God can let you know. God will, there's that call, there's that feeling, there's, that, there's this inner, the, the conscience, the, the, the working of the Spirit, our conscience tells us when there's an opportunity and we say no. Uh, and I get this from a, a man shared this with me years ago. His 18-year-old son was saying, he said, Dad, he said, I'm just, I'm afraid God has something I'm supposed to be doing and I don't know what it is. He said, No. Don't worry about that. You seek the Lord. You be diligent in seeking the Lord. But if you're not telling him no, you're right where he wants you to be. If you are willing, whether chosen or not, 
You are fulfilling his call on your life. What if I gave the wrong name? Either my name is not, the, the name I gave is not in the lot, or if it's in the lot, it isn't chosen. Are you willing? Hear God asking this. Are you willing to give the wrong name for your good, their good, and for his glory? And again, these are some thoughts I had, you know, what, what would God possibly be doing? Maybe you need to learn to trust the counsel of others. It might be good for me to, to be so sure that I, I just know who it needs to be. And I put that name in and that person isn't chosen. And I watch the one that is chosen and he's blessed and used of God. And I say, you know what? There's other people in the church that hear the voice of God. There's other people here that are seeking God's will. It's not all about me. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Maybe I need to learn to trust the counsel of others. Maybe God's telling you that you don't have to feel like you got it right. You don't have to have that sense of self-satisfaction. Maybe you didn't get it wrong at all. It's just that God's ways are not our ways and God has a different plan or time for that man for now. And Lord willing, we will have a lot tomorrow and someone will be chosen. Are you willing to be chosen for your good the good of the congregation and for God's glory. I'd like you to turn to Romans 11. I'm going to read these three verses and then I'll give the time back to Owen. Romans 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Thank you for your attention.